Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Hi, this is Andrew Cooper, bassist for Tala, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, what's up? This is Max Portnoy from the band Tala, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Our guests are Max Portnoy, Andrew Cooper, and Stephen Gibb. So stay tuned for interviews with them. My name is Mark. I started this podcast back in 2005 with my friend John. Thanks to the people on Patreon, people like Anthony Mackey. Man, dude, not only do you support me on Patreon, you send an additional PayPal donation. You're crazy, dude. I love you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, man. Anthony freaking Mackey. So great. David Gray, big shout out to him. Got a nice email from David Gray. Uh, and I also wanted to give a special shout out to David's awesome family, uh, Charlie, who's 12 years old and is just a, an incredible drummer, and his younger brother, Lucas, who is nine, and also the missus, wife Reggie, who is a nurse and is working her butt off, doing an amazing job with NHS workers in the UK. And listen, in, in these times, man, much respect to you, Reggie, and thank you for being out there really uh, at times I'm sure risking your life to save others so there's nothing better than that I also want to give a shout out to our other patrons including two new guys we got Glenn and Joe Glenn Watson thank you so much for joining us um, we're currently out of large t-shirts I have to I've already placed an order and those will be in shortly and I'll be mailing you out your talking metal t-shirts so Watch the mail for that. Joey, how are you, man? Thank you for joining us. Joey Vacheria? Vacheria. I'm not sure. You got to tell me how to pronounce your last name. I'm horrible with names, Joey. So sorry. And again, we will get you out a Talking Metal t-shirt soon. Anyone who joins me on Patreon paying $5 a month and more, you get all the bonus podcasts. There is the wrap-up show with Victor Ruiz. There's the Mark Striegel podcast. All that is just exclusive to the patrons on Patreon. But if it's a $5 a month pledge or more, you also get a Talking Metal t-shirt. So, yeah, thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon, uh, especially you upper-tier people. 
Big shout out to all you guys. Brad Dahl, Chris Riley, Dan Gerwan, Mike Jones, Steve Hoker, Steven Saylor. So many great people on Patreon. And uh, yeah, love all you guys. Thanks for all the promotion you've been giving me on social media. Not going to run through every name today, but we will hit that the next episode for sure. All right, guys, let's get into the episode. This is Talking Metal, episode 904. This is Talking Metal, established in 2005. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and at TalkingMetal.com. All right. Happy New Year, guys. It is 2021. We are rocking it, and I'm recording this on a Sunday, actually January 3rd. It'll probably be posted on the 5th. You know who I forgot to mention in the last episode? Um... Riley Gale, right? Riley Gale is the band member of Power Trip who passed on. I was talking about all all these great rockers who had left us. And I was mostly focusing on kind of the classic guys, but I did feel bad that I didn't mention Riley Gale because I know that death hit a lot of people hard uh, from the band Power Trip, a band that the hipsters liked and the metalheads liked, and they had a really true thrash metal sound to them i know highly respected band riley gale the vocalist of power trip rest in peace sorry i forgot to mention you on my last episode on this episode we have two young great rockers andrew cooper and max portnoy from the band tala max of course is a very famous drummer dad mike mike portnoy we all know mike i've jammed with him once (laughs) check check out turtlehead uh, talking metal just to go on youtube uh we we mike and i cover a motorhead song overkill along with frankie uh, bello of anthrax and bobby blitz of overkill jamming that song but it's great to connect with max and i think this guy has a really uh, exciting future ahead of him with his band tala which also features cooper the bass player so we're going to talk with both those guys in just a bit we'll get right into that interview shortly But before we do that, let's uh, just kind of cover some news, man. Ozzy Osbourne already barreling through his next solo record, apparently halfway done. It sounds like we'll get some different musicians on this next solo record, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be the quote-unquote current Ozzy Osbourne band of Blasco, Adam Wakeman, Tommy Clufetis. And Zach Wild, although who knows, maybe they will make an appearance. I don't know. I'd love to see those guys on a couple tracks. Come on. It's, it's Ozzy Osbourne's band. I I feel like, I guess these albums are, are a separate entity from what is the live Ozzy Osbourne band, but it, it would be fun. I mean, we're fans of those guys, especially Zach. I mean, please put, put Zach on a couple songs, Ozzy. I'd love that. Metallica had over 1.1 billion streams on Spotify in 2021. No, I'm sorry, 2020. Wow, that's crazy. It's crazy. Lejean Witherspoon has released a song off of his upcoming solo record, and a big shout out to Blabbermouth, who mentioned the interview that we did with them a couple or with him a couple months back, which you can watch on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com/slash talking metal. Again, Lejean Witherspoon of Seven Dust gearing up to release his solo record. It sounds good, man. I'm excited. Ghost, one of my favorite bands, Ghost has left a cryptic message. They have apparently some big stuff coming. 
this year without telling us really what any of it is. I'm, I'm guessing one of one of the big things they're doing this year will be a new album. So cannot wait for Ghost. Cannot wait to return to hopefully normal later this year. I know I know we're not there yet, and I'm I'm a little freaked out. I got to tell you because. In my area here in New Jersey and New York, I heard I heard like the other day, like one out of twenty people has either had COVID or currently has it. That's a lot. That's a lot, man. One out of one out of nineteen, I think, in in New York State, and I know it's it's similar numbers in maybe even higher in Texas and in California. So I just want that vaccine, man. I want to I want to get on with it. Um, what else did I want to mention before we get into the episode here? Uh, a journey to headline Lollapalooza. Apparently, he, Neil Sean, who I once interviewed, revealed this on the Eddie Trunk uh, Sirius show, I guess on volume. And he, he claims that Lollapalooza is happening in April. This makes zero sense. April in Chicago, where they do Lollapalooza, is... Is pretty cold, so unless it's a different Lollapalooza in some other city, I, I that doesn't sound right. Um, but listen, I love seeing Journey play live, and I think I think it could work having them headline Lollapalooza. I think it could work, but something about that April date just doesn't sound right. And did you see Kiss Kiss doing the New Year's Eve show from Dubai? I really enjoyed it. Emily and I watched it. And it was great fun, man. I, I will tell you, Paul Stanley was singing. You know, there's been debate. Oh, does Paul use tracks uh, when he, when they were out on the road for the end of the road tour? Who knows? I'm not going to go there. But I can tell you one thing. He definitely, in my humble opinion, was not using tracks at the Dubai show. Uh, it seemed 100% live to me. And wow, what great fun it was. I truly enjoyed watching that. Last time I spent the New Year's Eve with Kiss was 1996 at the Meadowlands. It was the classic lineup at that time. And they also did like a live feed to Dick Clark and his rockin' New Year's Eve. So they they played a a song or two live on, on television from that concert. So... memories (laughs) memories <laughs> that's what you get when you're my age a lot of them so let's do this we let's get into our interview with with max and cooper from the band tala right now here on the talking metal podcast hey it's mark striegel of talking metal and on the line we have bassist andrew cooper and drummer max portnoy of the band tala how are you guys I'm doing all right. What about you? We're doing we're doing all right. We're doing all right. I mean, such a strange year, but one cool thing that happened this year was we got a new record from you guys. Matripogy is out as of October and great stuff, guys. I mean, amazing playing, incredible tunes and the production to me is perfect. So let's start there. Where was the album recorded and did you work with a certain producer on this? I mean, because uh, songs like, I mean, you take a song like Murder Seed. I mean, there's so much going on there, especially like right at the beginning. And you can literally hear everything. I mean, at least in my headphones, you can. So let's talk about the production and where it was recorded or how it was recorded. Do you want, do you um, want to talk about the EP and then the new album? Or Oh, oh yeah, I guess because it's, yeah, we tracked it. We tracked the stuff in two different places, actually. Okay. Yeah, so the 
five songs that were on the EP, New Truths, that came out came out back in like what was it, two thousand eighteen? Yep. I think back yep. in like yeah, um, May, I think. We, we tracked those. Where where was that again? What was? Ah, uh, we were in like Queens or Brooklyn. I yeah, think we were in Brooklyn. Brooklyn, yeah. And uh, I don't know the was it Spin Studios? Was that the name yeah, of it? That, that's what Spin it was. Studios? Yeah, yeah. And we so were, that was um Kungen, Placenta, We Is Sad, Cottonmouth, and Red Light. Those five songs we tracked there back then. So then when we were, when we were doing the trilogy, we were pretty much expanding on like the EP. So we used the stems from those sessions and then josh who produced and engineered all the new stuff and mixed the entire thing he took those stems and like remixed them to make them to make them match the other stuff like no one should read this and murder seed like so they all sounded the same right on and did you add to those songs that were originally done for the ep were was there overdubs or anything added to those songs or was just basically remixing them um we added some samples and turntables. So like, I re- um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I re- some of my stuff too, yeah. Oh yeah, we yeah, we did do some reamping mainly with bass um but there's one section of Kungan that I know we did we changed up like the guitar tones and stuff, but yeah, we there's a little bit of changing, but yeah. I think I added like a weird thing on We the Sad too. Mhm. Like yeah, a weird effect, like a ba- Yeah. I like I like weird pedals. Right on, right on. And I want to talk about the history of the band and how you guys first came to be, but let's stick with the new record for, for a bit. Um, two new music videos, Overconfidence and The Silo. Now, Max, I know when you guys did the video for Cottonmouth a couple of years back, you did a lot of the directing and I even believe the video editing. Were you involved in the production of these videos too? Uh, yeah, I did. Um... I did the one for the silo and then we got this guy Anthony to do um overconfidence. Um but yeah the well with the silo, the silo was everyone was like kind of filming and Yeah, that stuff. one was the first one of um like when everything went down with like lockdown and quarantine. Right. So we we weren't planning on that being like a homemade sort of thing um but we kind of had to cuz everyone was we didn't have a choice and ever no one really me and cooper are really the only ones that live near each other because derek's in jersey justin's in massachusetts so everyone kind of like filmed their own just like them playing at their own house and then sent it to me and then i edited it all together with a bunch of like crazy effects so, and when you say edit it together are you what do you do like avid or premiere pro or iMovie like what type of software do you use to edit i use final cut pro um on my like uh I have like a Mac right laptop. On. Yep. So I, uh, yeah, I, I edit with that. But yeah, it was cool. I mean, I, I like it. Obviously, I think it always ends up better, like better when we can. Um, like I think like no one should read this was another video that I I did. That one came out after the album dropped. Um, ah, that I just was so it, fun. Yeah, I think that one came out. I want to say a little bit better, but it's it's always it flows a little bit better when. Everyone's in the same room and I can, you know, it's not like we're piecing it together from different states. (laughs) Right, right on. And on the record, I mean, obviously we have this pure aggression and and just intensity, but there's also like brief moments and glimpses of of sounds and influences that to me come from outside of like the hard rock or or metal world, almost soundscapey, trancey-esque type of things here and there i mean at the beginning of overconfidence and led 
Uh, I mean, the whole track, the borderline of pain. I mean, that's almost like borderline, like movie soundtrack esque at times. What, where does this influence come from? Because obviously, again, like I said, we have the, the pure aggression in your face, but there's softer moments mixed in there, which I think is, is really nice and a, a nice contrast to, to those loud moments. Can you talk a little bit about specifically where that influence comes from? Um, well, I know everyone in the band, we, we pull influences from all different places. Like, obviously, like, the main thing is, like, new metal and hardcore, but it's not just that. Like, we take, good, like, influence from everything and everywhere. So, we're really just blending everything that we like into the album and our sound. So, yeah, it's pretty pretty much anything that we like or think sounds cool, we'll blend it in somehow. Right it's on. like uh like I think one of the one of the bands I mean this is just one of many the, of the bands but like if you could like discern a band that like we all probably like and still like it's probably like Linkin Park and they have like aspects like that so it's not yeah it's not just Linkin Park I'm just saying like that's one band that we all gravitate towards that we mm-hmm. all collectively draw influences from but like Max was saying we have such a vast collective of that we like there's all of us just listen to so much different stuff and. So it's, we just try and, you know, if it sounds cool and weird, we're into it usually. <laughs> right on. And Cooper, can you run down the band lineup who actually is in the band right now? Did you add some additional members? So we have some people that were helping us play for our, our live performances. So it's, it's, they're like officially, unofficially in the band. We're kind of like, you know, it, it's the last thing that we did with them was the, like the, the two live performances with Hateful Six that got streamed um so with those you know they helped us out and um in live stuff we're gonna have them out and i think in a couple of videos uh they were in there so obviously their 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 presence is being shown and showcased for a reason but uh for now it's just you know max justin and myself and uh myself and derek but we'll have alex and we'll have musin who are the people that actually helped us out so alex snowden and uh musin uh, and yeah. Musin actually uh, tracked on Matrifugy too. Oh my God! How did I not say that? <laughs> no, it's all good. I mean, like at the time when he was tracking on Matrifugy, yeah. he wasn't in the band. It was just kind of like we were still like sort of feeling him out. Um, yeah. Like he did all the turntables and like the samples on that album. Um, and then when we played live, he was obviously able to recreate all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But we went into lockdown, so we haven't been able to play a real show with either alex or musin yet <laughs> yeah it, it it like i don't want to like i don't like obviously i'm super excited to be having them like work and play with us and stuff i totally want them there i just i just i just wish we got to play with them more like we've only got to play with them. i want to know what it feels like to actually like play yeah. shows with them <laughs> yeah we would have happened we had like freaking four tours lined up and then nothing happened <laughs> yeah for, it all like, nine months. <laughs> it all went shit <laughs> Yeah. Are shows lined up for you guys right now? Do you have stuff coming up like in 2021? Uh, we, I know we were like getting confirmed on a couple festivals and stuff, but yeah. I'm pretty sure like, I don't think anyone knows if those are hundred percent happening. So we're still trying to like get on as much stuff as possible, but it's all like, it's still kind of up in the air. It's like we're they're they're happening. They're sort of getting booked. But I think everyone that's involved with them is kind of like, if it happens, we'll do it. But everyone's kind of expecting them to get rescheduled again. Yeah. 
it's it feels real tentative at best it's just like i don't expect anything to happen in the u.s for another like someone said till 2022 and that was like someone who like yeah i read it in an article like a couple months ago which is like i was like oh, okay well it was really bad and now it's even worse now <laughs> like there's like a lot more cases and so i was just like oh, man maybe that was a, an accurate projection but is it gonna get like is it gonna be even longer than that but um i i know that you know Australia, I think, or New New Zealand, like, didn't even have any cases any, any for a little while now. So maybe if we get over there, <laughs> that'd be cool. We'll just quarantine for for fourteen days before we go over, not see anybody, and just tour the entire country. <laughs> cool. So what's the history between you guys? When did specifically you, Max, and you, Cooper, meet? Um. Yeah. Do you remember playing together for the first time? I've known Cooper for years. I what. How long have we known each other, like, specifically? Oh, man. Like, okay, so we we did a show together the first time in, I want to say, 2015? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because you were, because I think you were 15 or 16 at that time. Yeah. And I, and I, and I was just obviously blown the fuck away because you're, like, you're incredibly talented. <laughs> I was like, this kid's amazing. So, um, <laughs> dude, yeah, I, I just like, I was like, this is, this is nuts. Like, um, so it, it stuck, stuck to me. And I was like, we did a show with my band dead stop in Philly at uh legendary Dobbs, probably 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. And we, that, that place is now closed. Sadly. Uh, we did another show about a year later, I think. So that maybe that show was 2016. We did it outside at dockside. Remember that one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was that was cool. I think I, that was a Saravo show and a Dead Stop show, and then and then next to none came. Yeah, and then I so we'd always known each other through that just from playing around Philly together in our other bands. Um, and then you guys got like then, a like an offer for a show, right? Or, or a oh yeah, or we were we what were supposed to be playing a festival, and our bass player couldn't make it, so I had reached out to Cooper to see if he wanted to fill in. So, uh. Oh, yeah. We had a couple of rehearsals, but then that festival got canceled anyway, so we didn't actually play it. But we got to jam on some next to none stuff together. Yeah, that, that was fun though, because like that was like kind of when we first got to like, like our like um like it was we had known each other and we were chill, but like we didn't really get to hang out. Like we yeah. just were sort of in passing, like at the same gig. Like, like you can hang out and like talk to someone at a gig and stuff, but it's not the same as just chilling. Like mm-hmm. you're kind of you're kind of like on the job, as it were. So it was nice to get yeah. sort of like break the walls down and just sort of hang out and and do some music stuff together. That, that was, I actually remember that being really cool. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> so Cooper, tell me, who are your favorite bassists? Who are your influences? Oh boy. Okay, favorite bassist. I like Hunter from uh, AFI. I like Flea from Red Hot Chili Peppers the most. He's my favorite. He's my idol. Um, I like uh, Zach and Mark, both the bassists from Coheed and Cambria. Um, Justin Chancellor, he's amazing. Uh, a, cool. Yeah. Um, the, I don't know the dude from System of a Down's name, but he's just trippy and weird. So I just Shavo. Uh, what's his name? Shavo, and I Shavo. don't know his last name. Okay. All right. Word. Well, it's all good. When you say Shavo, I'm sure people know. Yeah. Um, and uh, I gotta tell you, man, uh, Larry Graham for giving me some slap slap lessons. He's he's he knows what's what it's all about. Uh. At Bootsy Collins and you know funk basis. That's that's really my main. Diverse. I really love funk so much. So that's really where I where I draw my influences from. 
Now, Max, obviously your dad, Mike, was a tremendous influence on you from what we understand. But what other influences do you have as far as drummers go? Uh, Joey Jordison's like my go-to, obviously, besides my dad. So um, Joey Jordison from Slipknot and uh, Chris Adler. Those nice are like my God. two all-time favorites. Um, and then um, Mario from Gojira, he's... Awesome. A badass too. So He's good. Definitely one of my favorites. Um, those are like my like them and my dad are like my go to like metal guys. But I really like uh, JoJo Mayer too. He's kind of like a don't know him jazz fusion type drummer, but he's he's really cool. Like he does some of the craziest stuff I've ever seen um, out of anyone anyone that plays drums. So yeah, he's definitely he's worth checking out. But those are like my top five drummers. Cooper, what are some of your other bands? There's the other bands you play with, right? Oh, yeah. So I play uh, in Dead Stop, which is uh, kind of just doing a hiatus at the moment because of the quarantine. And Art Singer actually is moving. He lives in uh, he lives in Portland, uh, who I'm actually starting another project with called Staring at the Ceiling. Cool. And that's going to be like a soundscape sort of thing. And then I have another band called Saravo, uh, based in New Jersey. They all live, uh, there's three, four members, three of them that live in New Jersey. I live in PA. Um, and uh, yeah, it's more like a hard rock, kind of arena rock, sort of nice. like uh, Shine Down. Uh, sort of style of music. And Max, are you playing with other bands too? No, nah, I'm just doing tall. <laughs> Coop's in like a million bands. And I'm just like, I'm just going to play video games in my spare time. Dude, I don't, dude, <laughs> I, I don't know how you like, I still, I am able to play video games more because of the pandemic, but like I, now I like my, like because of dead stop being like kind of doing nothing. I'm like, I need something else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what video games are you playing, Max? Um, well, League of Legends, which I feel like I'll get roasted for saying that I like, but you know, uh, there's that. Um, and then there's the other Riot Games video game, Valorant, which I like. Those two games are like the ones me and my high school friends would always like. I've stayed with that group of guys and we've just been playing those games forever. But I also love World of Warcraft too. And I was, me and Justin play World of Warcraft at the time and we were getting. Cooper into it, and then um, it just kind of died out. <laughs> I don't we know. Stop playing. I don't know what happened. I had to. I had to. I had to. Yeah. I had to take it off my my computer to save space. <laughs> yeah, no, just, Justin did too. So, oh, well, okay. We'll, we'll we'll get back into it eventually. Can one, we put it time. on a PS4 or something? I don't think so, but ah, okay. Maybe maybe one day they'll expand. All right. Now, when it comes to a genre, as far as Tala goes. Wikipedia calls you guys new metalcore. Is that a title you like? Like, what? How do you describe yourself? Like metalcore, new metal, new metalcore. What is Tala as far as a musical style goes? Like the the short version, which is just newcore. I like that. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't think that's we try to stick good. to a genre. We just try and play the stuff we like. Right. Yeah, I don't like necessarily saying a genre, but if someone had to ask, that's a pretty pretty good description it's succinct and again we are talking with the guys in tala max and cooper and the name of the new album is matrifigy and what does yeah. that mean guys what does that mean what what is actually what is matrifigy besides just a really wild word max um oh, okay so the literal definition of the word is when a spider is 
consumed by its offspring or killed and consumed. So uh, a bunch of little baby spiders, they kill and eat their mom. Um, and that's kind of very similar to what the story is behind Metrifugy. So it worked yeah. very well. If you look at the album and then you look at it in nature, you can probably discern your own meanings. But a lot of, I mean, sometimes it's, it's like, oh, how nice that the mom sacrificed herself or like how vicious are these babies? Yeah. <laughs> whatever you want. It's whatever you want. Who wrote most of the lyrics on the record? Is it a group effort or one individual? Is it Justin? This Justin. Justin, Justin. handles like the uh, lyrics and the vocals. I actually, I was like, yo, Justin, is this the lyric? And he was like, nah, dude. And then he changed it for me. <laughs> okay, so he helped out a little <laughs> he bit. He was like, I, don't, I didn't mean to. He was just like, he, I think he just liked it better. <laughs> well, hopefully once we get the vaccine and everybody gets the jab, we can get you guys back out there playing again. I am missing my concerts so much and definitely want to see people like you well, out there I'm playing. Drink the vex. I'm going to drink the Again, vaccine. we've been talking with Max Portnoy, the drummer, <laughs> and Andrew Cooper of Tala. Andrew, of course, the bassist. Guys, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a no true problem. pleasure, and I wish you guys the best of luck. We need as many young metalheads out there flying the flag as possible, and you guys are definitely doing that. Listeners, check these guys out. We'll have their socials linked through the show notes on TalkingMetal.com. And uh, yeah, support Tala. Guys, thank you so much. Wonderful, dude. Thank you for having us. Hey, guys, I'm sitting here editing this podcast together, and I just got some really sad news that I wanted to mention. Alexi Leho of Children of Bodom fame, a guy we've had on the podcast, a band that I've seen live in New York City, has passed away. Really, really sad news. Alexi was a great guy. And we've had uh, numerous members from Children of Bodom on the podcast, including him through the years. And just, again, really sad news to hear that he has left us. Talented guy, much too young. Um, another one, man. Apparently, from what I'm reading, he may have even passed away the last few days of 2021. Uh, I'm sorry, 2020. I'm not sure about that. But uh, yeah, so I'll leave it at that for now. Okay, so sorry. Back into our normally scheduled programming here. Man, that sucks. Big thanks to Max and Cooper for joining us on the Talking Metal podcast. All the best of luck to you guys. Look forward to seeing you live once we're out there doing live shows again. We're going to get into a talk with my friend Victor Ruiz, who does the exclusive Patreon podcast with me. We're going to talk to Victor, and I will let you guys know he's going to be adding a, a second exclusive Patreon podcast for my supporters on, on Patreon. Uh, it's going to be great, guys. So, yeah, always good to talk with Victor. And we'll definitely, hopefully, have him back on this podcast real soon. Before we do that, if, if Patreon just isn't for you guys, you can support me with just a straight-up PayPal donation. My PayPal account is paypal.me slash M-A-R-K-S-T-R-I-G-L. And we also encourage you to use the Amazon links. Man, if everyone used those Amazon links, everyone who's shopping on Amazon, we would be in good shape. And again, it's for people who live in the U.K., 
the United States and Canada, go to my website, markstriegel.net, M-A-R-K-S-T-R-I-G-L dot N-E-T, and link through to Amazon before you do your shopping. There's no markup on your end, but for whatever weird reason, Amazon just gives me a couple pennies back on all your purchases. And you guys are using those links. I get like, you know, every, every month they send me like a $20, $30 gift card. It's awesome. So thank you for that. And let's... uh Let's step it up. If you don't use those links, I would love it if you do. And also would love to just uh, quickly mention websites that are helping me promote the show. Not for free, but but uh, you know I'm, I'm putting money back into this show. We are getting some love, some promotion, paid promotion on sites like Metal Sludge, Brave Words, and Blabbermouth. I love all three of those sites. Highly recommend all of them to you guys. Check them out. Without further ado, let's talk to Victor. All right, guys, and here he is, the co-host of my exclusive Patreon podcast, which is the Mark Striegel podcast, Victor Ruiz. Victor, how are you? Doing good. How are you, Mark? Good. Happy New Year to you. I hope you and your family are doing all right over there in Spain. Yep, we are hanging in there. Cool. And I wanted to bring you on to remind people that you, again, are the co-host of that exclusive podcast that I do every week without fail on the Patreon page. And it's really cool because you can somehow copy that RSS right into like your Apple Podcasts uh, app and it'll upload the, the new podcast right to you in there in the section with all your your other podcasts, but the cool thing is that no one gets to hear that show except the people who join us on Patreon. It's $2 a month or more. And again, even if you just do $2, you get that bonus podcast every week. If you do $5 or more, I also will uh, send you out a Talking Metal t-shirt. And there's other bonus content that appears on the Patreon page too. So we encourage everyone to Join us on Patreon. And Victor, you also have your own podcast, Mars Attacks, right? Yep, that is correct. And any uh, updates from from the world of, of Mars Attacks? Uh, any exciting new episodes coming up or interviews you're looking forward to sharing with the listeners? Yeah, I'm going to be posting an uh, interview that I did a few weeks back uh, with Phil Rind from Sacred Reich. Hopefully within the next week, I've uh been doing live shows uh, on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, and uh, Twitch on Friday nights as well. I'm going to be doing live interviews on that, hopefully, um, in, you know, uh, beginning around the middle of January. And um, cool. yeah, just plugging away with both of those things. Victor, a little bit of your history. When do you first remember discovering music, rock music, that is, as a as a youngster or teenager? When when what are some of your first rock memories? Easy. Four years old. Um, there was that uh, booklet that came in Alive Two. I don't remember the name right now. I I can picture it. I remember seeing the picture of Ace Frehley with Les Paul, the big like. Each member had like one big picture and a bunch of other pictures down the side showing their previous, you know, uh, costumes. And that just captivated me alive too. my brother had 
had that and destroyer so um i mean i was i personally didn't own anything other than kiss from that was around 77 so from 77 to 83 not until um quiet riots metal health that i owned something that wasn't kiss uh that said my brother who's five years older than me uh, i was lucky enough to be introduced to you know things like acdc's back in black and led zeppelin four and pink floyd's the wall and um we had cheap trick live at budokan uh scream dream by ted nugent and one pat benatar album uh the one that has hell is for children on it those are like that was like everything that we had for like the longest time. So, oh, and actually the cars candio. Okay. I almost forgot one. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Good so, stuff. Yeah. So the, yeah, those are definitely like pillars to jump off of. And, you know, I was lucky that he, he had, you know, a wide variety of music, musical taste. And I guess that was like, had a lot to do with the time too, where if you liked, hard rock it didn't mean that you couldn't listen to new wave it didn't mean you couldn't listen to other forms of music like maybe things are today so um so it's cool you know to be able to listen to kiss and pink floyd and the cars who are all totally different from one another right on right on and you are a podcaster you do podcasting yep. with me you've appeared on talking metal from time to time of course we do our weekly ex- podcast which is exclusive to my patrons on the patreon page what other podcasts do you like that are out there or do you think are important or would you recommend for for listeners of this show and of your Mars Attack show, besides Talking Metal and Mars Attacks and all the stuff we do together? Yeah, I mean, I listen to um, a bunch of different podcasts. Um, I listen to uh, a wrestling podcast called Busted Open, which is kind of cool because it has some retired wrestlers on that. So you get a lot of like behind the scenes stories and information. Um, there's um, uh, the mastering show, which is kind of cool, which talks about how music gets mastered and just how like different huh. things have come up with albums over the years and like just different progressions in music, you know, in, in the recording process and, and stuff. And then there's another show called 20,000 Hertz that I like to listen to, which is also about uh, um, it's about music and movie soundtracks and how you know different sounds are made up for special effects and how you know they had like an episode um, on like how albums get brick walled and uh, what producers want to do to try to prevent that and you know it's just a lot of cool just like nerdy like uh, sound. Um, sound related uh information i don't know i i really in, enjoy it um yeah. yeah and i mean there's there's other things um i used to listen to last podcast on the left all the time and from time to time i listen to the um there's um a podcast that's exclusive to the office uh which is on spotify now um which has like part uh, members of the cast were part of it and like detail a lot of like what went down behind the scenes and what it was like to work with one another which is which is cool which which for me like as a a music nerd you know where i can get into like almost any music documentary that's really like something along those lines without having the the visuals you can 
totally, you know, for me at least, get lost in that and remember different episodes or different skits that they did, and um, and totally connect that with with the different actors and what it must have been like doing the the different parts. So it's pretty cool. Awesome stuff, Victor, and thank you for joining us here on Talking Metal, and also thank you for doing the weekly Mark Striegel podcast with me on Patreon for our very valued patrons so that'll do it right now we're going to get into a new segment on the new version of talking metal where we don't play music anymore and this new segment is called classic albums so let's do it here we go another album that i consider a classic we're going to get to uh Interview with Stephen Gibb here in a minute. Of course, the son of the legendary musician Barry Gibb. He is a hard rocker, but he's also a well-rounded musician and has worked with all sorts of different people. And what you're going to hear in the Stephen Gibb interview is a, a shorter edited version of my chat with him. If you're interested in listening to the full interview, you can hear that on my other podcast, which I love it if you subscribe to. Uh, it's called Talking with Mark Striegel, and it's up in the Apple iTunes, uh, not not iTunes, Apple Podcasting app, and also on Spotify. So definitely subscribe to that. Uh, and again, you can hear the full interview with Stephen Gibb on that. This one is edited down just, just a little bit. So I did want to get into this classic album thing, but first let's... Um, Let's talk about these people who support the show. So many people have uh, gone out of their way to send donations and whatnot. Uh, Nick Beach, thank you for your donation, sir. I really appreciate that Christmas donation you sent in on PayPal. Also, big shout out to, to Martin McGarry. Thank you, Martin, for your donation and your nice message wishing me and my family the the best for 2021. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And thanks to everyone on Patreon who is supporting what we do here on Talking Metal. You guys are awesome. Speaking of classic albums, we're about to get into a, a discussion on a classic album here. I did want to mention that on Patreon, I had a survey up and asked which one of those first two albums with Bruce Dickinson and Iron Maiden is better number of the beast or peace of mind now Steve Harris is always called peace of mind one of his favorite Iron Maiden albums and I have to agree now I love both those records tremendously tremendously but if I had to pick one for me personally peace of mind is slightly better slightly more meaningful for me personally but you guys on Patreon my my supporters uh, definitely, we had 16 people vote in that, and 10 of you chose Number of the Beast. Six of you, one of which is probably me, chose Peace of Mind. So there you go. Jerry from Long Island shouting out some of his favorite songs off that record. Children of the Dam, 22 Acacia Avenue, The Prisoner, all classics for sure. J- Jeremy Weltman saying The Trooper, of course, one of the great songs off of Peace of Mind. Uh, Johan, you say the a the a side of of p oh here we yeah the a side of peace of mind is incredible. I think both both sides are incredible, but yeah, there you go. Johan, Drake saying number of the beast is amazing, but I'm gonna go with peace of mind, being that 
It's been my favorite Maiden album since I got it for Christmas when I was 14. What a masterpiece. Yeah, right on, Drake. I got mine... In 1983, December of 1983, I had just turned 14, and that's when I—that's <laughs> when I got the Peace of Mind record for Christmas, just like you. I know you're younger than me, but fun stuff. So, anyways, let's get into our classic record. It is the first Steeler record. Now, Steeler, wow, what a band! They—I mean, look at that album cover, the self-titled Steeler record with the four pictures. Epic, man. These guys should have. And could have been through the roof. I have my theories why why it didn't go through the roof, but we'll leave that for another day. Let's get into... Uh, actually, I get into it a little bit in this write-up here that I'm going to read. And again, we are talking the self-titled Steeler record from 1983. Guitarist Engve Malmsteen should have been and could have been massive. I have my theories on why he wasn't, but we'll save that for another day. And when I mean massive, just to let you guys know, I mean, he wasn't a household name, never has been. I mean, we know him because we're metalheads and hard rockers, but he was never a household name. Uh, You know, and the guy, he was a game changer when it came to loud guitar. It wasn't on the level of Chuck Berry, Jimi Hendrix, or Eddie Van Halen, but he was still an innovator who significantly expanded the boundaries of guitar playing in the early and mid-1980s. His rise to mild fame took a while, slowly growing over the course of four, possibly five albums, you know, from Steeler to Alcatraz to his first two or three solo albums. And today I want to praise the first of those five, the self-titled Steeler album, which was released in 1983, and it was incredible. Unfortunately, it was released through a small label, it had almost no promotion, And the band basically broke up or the current lineup of the band fell apart as the album was being released. Now, Steeler did go on to do some shows after Engve and with different lineups. But, you know, essentially that lineup that made this incredible album was was done by the time the record came out. The three-way combo of Angve's revolutionary guitar playing, Ron Keel's incredible and unique voice, and some excellent songwriting, mostly done by Keel with the help of some of the other band members, most notably drummer Mark Edwards, made this collection of songs something exceptional. Eight out of the nine songs on this album are great, and they're played with so much passion and energy that it's insane. I love the stripped-down raw production and that, like, basic mix Hot on Your Heels is the song that ends side one of the album, and really, it was one of the greatest metal tunes of 1983, which says a lot considering how much great music was released in that year. Fun fact, Ron Keel handpicked Engve for the band after hearing many guitar players' demo tapes in Mike Varney's office. Mike Varney, of course, was the producer of the album, and he was the head of Shrapnel Records, and he wrote that column for Guitar Player Magazine back in the day. Anyways, after Ron picked Engve, after just literally being blown away by his demo tape, Mike immediately flew Malmsteen over from Sweden so he could join the band. The album launched the careers of two artists who I still love dearly and enjoy listening to to this day, and that would be Ron Keel and Engve Malmsteen. And of course, as we mentioned, Mark Edwards was the drummer. The bassist was Rick Fox. Wow, what a great record. I don't know how it age ages, you know, for people who've never heard it. You know, maybe maybe it didn't 
maybe it's not as potent. But at that time, there was there was no guitar playing like this on vinyl anywhere. I mean, Engve definitely, like I said, he wasn't Van Halen or Randy Rhodes, but he was expanding it. He was really expanding what we knew as loud rock guitar playing. And again, I could get into why he wasn't a household name or a superstar on another episode, but that's that. We're talking Steelers' self-titled debut from 1983. All right, let's get into my edited version of the Stephen Gibb interview. If you want to hear the full version, go to my other podcast, Talking with Mark Striegel. Here we go. Hey, it's Mark Striegel, and we are talking with Stephen Gibb. Stephen, how are you, man? I'm doing great, brother. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for taking some time to to talk with us. You have such a diverse, uh, musically diverse resume, I guess I'd say. And I, w- I want to uh, talk to you about all of it from Barbara Streisand to uh, Crowbar, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> doesn't get much more diverse than that. Let's, let's start with the family stuff. I, I just recently was blown away by this new uh, documentary that I think I saw on HBO HBO Max, right? It was on yep. HBO. Yeah. And how can you mend a broken heart? Some clips of you at the end. What was your involvement with the, with the documentary? Well, you know, it's, it was a long process, as I'm sure you can imagine. It's about a three-year process to do a film of that type. Um, it, it, you know, it started with, you know, meeting Frank Marshall and, and you know, and, and him sort of, you know, getting to know the family a little bit. And, and it was, uh, you know, initially, you know, there was a lot of people interviewed way more than that. And then actually ended up in the documentary. Sure. Um, but, uh, you know, my involvement really was, uh, if anything, it was keeping my dad interested okay. in doing, because I think for him, it was challenging, uh, more so than anybody, obviously. Uh, and then towards the end of, uh, production when they were, you know, they had the first cut, you know, and I'm very grateful that, that Nigel Sinclair and, uh, and, and Jeannie and, and Frank kind of came to me and asked me what I thought of the first cut. And I, I think I was as helpful as I could have hoped to have been to kind of, you know, cut and add some things out of it that I right. felt would have tightened it up and made it more watchable. I'm still too close, you know? Yeah. And it's, and it's tough to separate, you know, that this is my family versus, you know, this is a great documentary. I'm a huge documentary fan. I'm a huge music fan and I love music documentaries. I tried to just put my fan hat on for a second and be like, listen, I think we're going to lose people if you go there for too long, if you spend too much time on this or that. And it was, uh, it, it, it all turned out for the best, thankfully, you know? Right on. And we are uh, talking about the Bee Gees documentary, How Can You Mend a Broken Heart? Highly recommended. I I consider myself to be a bit of a a rock documentary snob. I I used to work on a show called VH1 Legends on on VH1, which is a documentary show. Actually worked on a Bee Gees 30-minute documentary back in the 90s called One to One or One on One with the Bee Gees. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was one of the producers on that. Yeah. Um, Awesome. But uh, yeah, this is so well done. And again, highly recommended viewing. And I totally understand 
what you're saying about, you know, removing yourself from all the emotions you have, because it is, it's your dad, Barry Gibb and, and your family. But I can tell you as a fan, it's a great watch. So, so thanks to you and, and the crew and the, and the family for putting that out, because I, I loved how this wasn't just about the seventies era, the Bee Gees, because so much of the history books, I think tend to forget that this was a, a pop rock band from the '60s, you know, and and same manager as as Eric Clapton and and you know Brian Epstein's partner and uh, the, what was his name again? I'm, his name is slipping my mind. Uh, the uh, Robert Stigwood. Robert Stigwood. Yes, and uh, I thought that that was so so well done. And I, I had forgotten that the band had actually kind of split up for a while. So yeah, just great. And it, it just flies by highly emotional footage of, of seeing your dad out there kind of, I don't know if that's his yard out looking out on the, on the, yeah. the bay there. Loved that, but great yeah. stuff. Great stuff. Now let me take you back because I do want to segue into hard rock and heavy metal and and this is probably, I, I bet you've probably never had this question before, but Tony Iommi, now uh-huh. he has, one of, one of my favorite Black Sabbath records uh, is Heaven and Hell. Mine too. Obviously, they've put out so many, uh, Iommi with Ozzy and Dio at least, have put out so many great records. I'd even include the Gillen one in there. But um, Absolutely. The, the album, Heaven and Hell, a lot of those songs and um, inspirations possibly came from a time when they went to Miami and they stayed at Barry Gibbs' house, according to um, Tony Iommi's autobiography. Any stories or or memories? I mean, were you guys there when when Iommi and Dio at least show up? I guess maybe Geezer joined them later and Bill Ward even after that, but any inside knowledge about the time that Ronnie and Iomi, uh, Black Sabbath for that matter, came to the Barry Gibb household and stayed there getting ready and recording this uh, epic album? Well, I, I don't have uh, direct memory other than we, what had happened was we had a house uh, on Miami beach called 20, it was, you know, it was just known as the 2760 house. Cause we moved around a lot. We first, our first home was 461 ocean Boulevard, which is where I took my first steps when we came to the U S and that was like, that was my first childhood home. And then we got another place and then we got, you know, my parents were trying to figure out what they, you know, where do they want to live in Miami and, and things were happening quickly. And so, uh, we were in, uh, in the 2760 house and then we, we had, gotten another place and we had moved over there and while uh you know we we luckily that house then you know we were like well we could rent it and uh you know through criteria studios it was like oh well sabbath's coming in and you know that would be a great place for them and it's a great house and funnily enough i now live across the street from that house wow okay so i look at it every day i walk my dog and i'm just like that house has so much memories and it's crazy. Um, and we didn't really, Oh, incredible history. And, and we didn't really know the Sabbath uh, guys back then. Um, but my, uh, my godmother is a woman. Uh, her name is Liz Patterson. She has a book coming in soon. And she was Tony's girlfriend when they were making that record in wow. that. And she's been with my family for a long time. So the real good stories are going to be in her book. That's going to probably be out in the next year. But the thing is, is that, you know, 
Miami was a, a small place then. And so, and because of criteria, there was always interesting stuff happening. I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I, I used to play pinball with Ronnie Van Zant like every day at the studio for like, wow. you know, the month that they were making street survivors. I had no idea that was Ronnie Van Zant until I was in my teens. And I was like, how did I not realize that was yeah. the guy from Leonard Skinner? It was one of my favorite bands. You know, it was just like, whoa. So it must have been a I, real little kid at that point. I mean, what are we? Yeah, it was like five years old or something. Six, yeah, yeah. six or seven years old. I don't know. You know, I mean, it's something like that. But, um, you know, my dad, you know, he's like, oh, yeah, no, you've been around all these guys. You know, you just don't remember it because there was just so much action and criteria back then. Um, but strangely enough, and a great story, I was, um, I was on tour with Down, actually, uh, because Crowbar was on hi hiatus at the time because Kirk was doing Down. And, it, and I was sort of teching for Kirk and Rex just because I didn't have a job. Right. On. So they were like, well, oh, just come out with Down. And they opened up for Heaven and Hell in Canada for like, I don't know, a month or two, two or three weeks, maybe. And, you know, I got to see them every day, sound check and, you know, and, and Ronnie and, 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 you know, and, and all of them are just, they're, they're great guys. And I, I was telling them, yeah, you know, we kind of know each other. And I told him some of the backstory and Tony was like, Oh yeah, man. Yeah. I remember, you know, and, and Ronnie, <laughs> Ronnie, James Dio was God, man, the nicest guy and just, one of my personal favorite singers of all time. Like it was, it was amazing. So, you know, it was just nice to have a, a moment to connect about the past with them. Sure. You know, that, that's awesome. So you toured uh, with, with down, but, but off stage, not playing with them on stage, but you played with crowbar. Let's, I guess we'll start there. And can you talk about your history with that band? Yeah, man. I, um, well, you know, it kind of, it bleeds into the black label society thing. You know, I, um, I was, uh, I was in black label society, uh, from like uh, early 2000 to, you know, 2001 and, um, and at 2001 and crowbar was opening up for us. And so I met them on that tour and I was a huge okay. crowbar like even, you know, from like back in, you know, the early days. And I just got, I hit it off so fast with Kirk that we became like best buddies. And those guys, like I, I you know, there were times I spent more time on their bus, you know, or wow. okay. you know, whatever. Like I was just, you know, they were just my kind of people. Um, and, uh, you know, we stayed in touch. And then when things didn't work out with, with Black Label Society, and that's a, you know, that's a, an interesting tale in and of itself, but uh, you know, we just stay close. And when they, there was an opening there, Kirk was like, Hey, you want to come up and, and jam? And I did. And that was it. I was in the band and I was there for uh, quite a while. I, I would say, you know, I think in total, I was in the band for six years. Wow. Okay. Cool. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I, probably the best experience I've ever had being in a band ever. I mean, all we did was laugh and, fucking kick ass every day <laughs> right <on. You> know? <laughs> like it was so easy I, I you know and and you mentioned you I mean you hinted there that there may have been a story with uh, you and and your parting of ways with with black label is that something you'd want to talk about now or yeah i don't i don't have any shame about it now i mean you know i i i met zach when i was 14 years old in the hotel lobby of uh, a holiday inn in London. And, um, and he was there with Randy Castillo and I'd met Randy Castillo a few months prior or something. And 
I, you know, I kind of walked up to him and was like, Hey man, I met you. Like I was a kid, you know? Right. And, uh, and Randy's like, oh. when they were touring with Ozzy. Well, this, you know, this is when Zach had, they hadn't even put out no rest for the wicked yet. Wow. Okay. So I'd only seen Zach in like metal edge. Right. Like maybe like one picture, but he was recognizable and whatever. So I, I, I start talking to Randy and then Zach and then geezer Butler walks over and I'm like, Whoa, what's going on? This is cool. You know? And the next thing I know, they walk me into the bar area and in England, people are a lot looser with alcohol, especially back in like 89 or 88, whatever it was. And, um, Next thing I know, I'm drinking beer. My first real beers, I'm drinking with Ozzy Geezer, Randy Castillo, and Zach. And oh my god! I mean, I remember him just getting the Bullseye Les, Les Paul, Paul, right? Just getting it out of the paint shop, and then you know them giving it to him. And I'm sitting right there, and he takes it out of the case, and was just like, "Whoa," you know, and you know, nerding out with him, listening to like Vinnie Vincent Invasion on headphones and stuff, <laughs> right. and like all of a sudden, I'm buddies with like this freaking you know, like just monster of a, of a player and, you know, sweetest guy in the world, funniest guy I ever met. And he was like the big brother I always wanted. Um, and we stayed friends and we, you know, we were always, you know, like anytime he would come through town, you know, we'd hang out and drink beer and listen to metal and just fucking lap our asses off. And we lost a little bit of a connection in, um, you know, right after no more tears or whatever. And then, uh, when I moved out to LA, uh, we ran into each other again and he's like, Hey, you know, let's, let's hang out, whatever. So we're hanging and, uh, they were looking for a bass player and I was like, Oh, I might know a couple of guys. He's like, nah, man, you should just do it. And I was like, okay, dude. And so next thing I know, I'm, I'm in the band and we're in Japan and everything's going great. But the the thing with me is that, you know, like Zach is, you know, was obviously a notorious drinker, but, uh, you know, he's obviously cleaned up his life now, but, but back then, you know, I'd had, I'd had my problems. I'd had my problems with substances and, and with alcohol Okay, for most of like pretty much from, you know, 14 until, uh, you know, uh, about 15 years ago. Um, so, you know, I was having fun, man. I was out there jamming with one of my best buddies and, you know, we were having a great time and black label was a blast. And, you know, we, we got to do some awesome stuff, but the lifestyle caught up with me. You know, it's like anytime we took a break and came home man, I fell apart and just sunk deeper and deeper into, you know, all kinds of drugs, all the bad ones. And right. It, and very bad. And it just got to a point where, you know, I think I became a liability and nobody wanted to find me dead. And so I got wow. sent home and, yeah. and it was, it, it was heartbreaking cause I loved the band and I loved Zach and I love his family and I let my friend down and, and that, that caused me a lot of pain for a long time uh, because that shit got the best of me. But had that not happened to me, you know, m- my life could have gone in a very different direction and I'm not uh, unsatisfied with where it's, where it's at now, you know? So right on. everything happens for a reason, you know? I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty just blessed to be alive. So, you know, yeah, it, it ended badly, but you know, Zach and I are still great buddies. And every time we see each other, it's, it's hugs and kisses and you know, everything's good, you know? So right on, right it's, on. Well, cool. yeah. well, congratulations on, on your sobriety and for staying healthy. I know that's, that always can be a, a daily struggle. So congratulations. It can be until you're done. Yeah. And then when you're done, you're done. And it's just, you know, life is just good. And, you know, 
you just try to give back what was given to you. You know, that's all you can do. Right on. Uh, I did want to mention Nikki six. You did some work with him too, right? Yeah, that was a strange one. Um, I, I, you know, Nikki's a great guy and, and, you know, I was, I was grateful for the opportunity cause I had just moved to LA and uh, he was doing a side project project at the time called 58, which is, I guess his first uh, non Motley project. You there? Uh, okay. yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was his first non Motley project and it was kind of before the internet took off. So he was like, yeah, this is going to be an internet band. Like this is really when AOL was starting. Right. <laughs> and I was like, I don't even know what you're talking about, dude. I just want to play guitar whatever. Um, and so it may have been before it's time in some ways, because now everybody's in an internet band, but, um, but the record was cool. It was interesting. And I, I got to play some guitar on it and you know, it was a good little experience, but, uh, I was sort of doing that when Zach and I reconnected and Zach was like, you don't want to do that, dude. You want to, you want to jam with me? And I was like, yeah, dude, you're right. Okay. Right. So that's kind of, you know, that led into that. And then right. Nikki started doing Motley again and it was like, all right, man, cool. All good. Right on. And another name to just throw at you, uh, Jason Beeler. I know my wife saw you play with Saigon kick once in, in New York and, uh, Jason, who J Jason, Jason, Jason Beeler. I never heard of him. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no, Jason's like, uh, yeah, he's, I mean, I, I don't know. He's, I'm his retarded little brother and he's my retarded older brother. I think at this point, like, <laughs> okay. I I love him to pieces and I didn't, I, I'm sorry, but that's two retardeds in one sentence. So forgive me listeners. <laughs> My kids would hate me for saying that, but um, no, man, I, I love Jason to pieces, man. He's the best. He really right is. On. Cool. And you are currently working on a solo record. Is that correct? And in, in what, I mean, you're from Streisand to Crowbar. There's a lot musically with you. What, what can we expect with this solo record music well, stylistically? Well, you know, that's the thing, man, is that I think the reason why I have been one of the reasons why I've been so apprehensive about releasing anything sooner is I think my interests and, you know, where I can go as a writer and a, and a singer and as a player, I, I have legitimate ADD and and it, it definitely manifests, you know, in, in music for me too. one minute I want to do, you know, the heaviest fucking thing on planet earth and then you know then i want to do ballads and then i want to write country songs and and i i just change my mind so often that i'm like man, nobody's going to listen to this all the way through it's like i need to start five bands and, <laughs> right you know, what, you know what i mean and so it's i've just thrown so much stuff on the shelf and and i also tend to get sick of stuff very quickly like i'll write a song and i'm like yeah that's cool and then i'm sort of like over it and i want to do something else so I think the biggest challenge for me, because I've always been a side man and, and I've always been a co-writer and I've always, and, I, and I've always been a band guy. Like I, yeah. I like being in bands. Right. Like I, I respect the hell out of guys that can, you know, sing, play, write everything, and then just go out and play it. Like, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm all I need type of thing. But that's not fun to me. Like I, I love hanging out by myself. Sure. Yeah. I don't hate my own company, but music for me has always been collaborative. Uh, yeah, collaborative thing. Yeah. So it's, you know, the struggle to find people to collaborate with now is, is it's a little different because of uh, the times we're in, but I think I kind of know, I think I'm, I actually know who I am now. It's taken me 47 years 
And I think I've figured out a way to sort of, I, I figured out what I sound like, like, and forget the genres. It's like, I think I know what I sound like. And at, at the end of the day, uh, what it, it turns out that, um, all of my influences are now converging into a place that I think makes sense. So it's a good time to actually begin to let people in on what I sound like if, if they care, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, well, when can we, when, when do you think we would expect to hear this music? I would like to say by the end of 2021. Okay. All right. So I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sort of trimming a lot of fat right now and I've got two other projects that I'm writing for and some other interests that I'm trying to get out of the way. And I'm hoping that by the time I'm done with that stuff, uh, you know, we can all travel a bit more and then I can get into a room with a few guys and a few specific people and kind of at least hammer out the, the, uh, you know, the basic tracks for certain things. And then the, the vocals and the rest of the guitars I can do by myself, or at least with my, uh, you know, my, my engineer. Right. On. So, yeah, I'm, a, I'm just, I'm a live guy though. I, I want to play the stuff live. That's the thing. So sure. We're getting well, there, man. Yeah. And, and I can't, I really can't. Yeah. Well, hopefully, uh, we will see you back on stage soon. I'm, I'm encouraged that, uh, 2021 is going to be, uh, uh, hopefully reopening for us musically and just in general. I sure uh, hope so, dude. Yeah. I mean, even just as a fan, like not being able to go to shows. Yep. That is, I, you know, I, I never thought that would happen ever. Right. It's just the thought of it was so bizarre to me. And I mean, it's like somebody's cut off, like, you know, it's like my favorite food. Like I can't eat my favorite food anymore. Are you kidding me? You know, it's just really strange. Yeah, I hear you. And before I let you go, I did want to give a shout out to Dan Lorenzo, who basically hooked this interview uh, up for me. I don't know. Did he contact you directly or does he know somebody, you know, or I wasn't sure how it, this I've been listening to your show on and off for a long time. And so I was well aware of you. Uh, so I guess when, when, when I got the email, it was just like, Oh, hell yeah. I, I definitely want to talk to Mark, you know? Cool. Like, well, thank you. Yeah, man. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, no matter what I'm doing right now, I mean, look, we've got, you know, the documentary just came out and, and that's fantastic. And, you know, I, I sort of co-manage my dad a little bit right now. And we've got a, a, a sort of Americana, record that he just finished uh with uh you know a, a bunch of incredible artists on it that's coming out january 8th called greenfields and oh, that's cool. some sort of reimagined bg's classics and a couple of lesser known songs that are fantastic and i mean just everybody from jason isbell dolly parton brandy carlisle uh, wow wow keith urban i mean there's just so many great people on this record and i'm super proud of that right now like just the fact that dad got to realize uh one of his dreams there and i was able to help with that you know that's that's been a tremendous thing so that's coming out january 8th and you know we'll see what happens with that we'll sort of dictate how i can uh you know put my energy into my stuff you know but you know it's, it's just a blessing to have anything going on in this sort of climate you know but Right on. Uh, and yeah. do you think when oh. we're back to live shows, when we get back to live shows, dad will do another round of, of live tours or performances? 
I, I, I know he wants to. I mean, he has the obvious fear of, of the virus uh, and everything because he's a 74-year-old guy. The good news is, is that he still has the goods. He can do it if he wants to, if, you know, if things are safe. Um, and I think, you know, if, if, if things open up in the next year or two, hopefully he's still got the energy to do it, you know? I, I hope for his sake that he can. And, and for mine too, I, you know, I, I don't want to be done. I love playing those songs. I love playing those songs with him, you know, right on, right. on. we'll leave it there, Stephen. Thank you so much for your time. And when you get back up to New York city, we definitely got to hang out. I want to come see you play whatever musical project you're out playing live with. Uh, it'd be great to uh, meet you and hang out. Absolutely, Mark. I look forward to that, brother. And thank you for having me. All right. Thanks to Stephen Gibb for joining me here on Talking Metal. Thanks to Max Portnoy, Andrew Cooper of Tala. And thanks to you for listening. Please share this episode on social media and let people know about it. All right, guys. We'll talk to you next week. Every Tuesday, it's Talking Metal.